Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we've seen Bros. Yes. We've taken all the energy in the world not to say Bros. I can't. <laughs> it's as I see the title, it looks like Bros to me. That's the way it is for an English audience, unfortunately. It's Bros. It's um, written by Billy Eichner. Yes. Written by Billy Eichner and um, Nick Stoller. Mm. And Nick Stoller directed it. And he's previously directed other Judd Apatow produced comedies such as the Bad Neighbours films, mm. um, which I really like, um, and get into the Greek and a couple of others, which I wasn't such a big fan of or haven't seen. Mm. Um, this is about... this is Well, it's it's kind of been billed as Hollywood's first gay rom-com. We've um, seen a few kind of gay comedies in the last few years, but they've mostly been about kids growing up and coming out and that sort of thing, whereas this is about a guy, played by Billy Eichner, who is in his 40s, he's... Very solidly, happily gay, but he, well, I say happily, he also kind of doesn't have long-term relationships and he's maybe not sure about what his life is and that sort of thing. Mm. He has a kind of sex in the city, is it Carrie in Sex City, who's the diarist, who's the main character? Yeah. He does a podcast um, about, uh, well, I mean, that's kind of the equivalent, right? No, now. no, I'm laughing just because, you know, he's 40 and he's happily gay and you think, well, nobody would ever say he's 40 <laughs> and he's happily heterosexual, I mean... You know, yeah. yeah so, did, I mean, I say, well, I didn't, that's not he's quite happy in his life. I, yeah, yeah, that's that kind of sort of. I know, what I mean. I know but then, of course, he's not actually all that happy in his life because he he's, he's single. He's single, and he doesn't know if that's really what he wants, and he's kind of getting on with it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That, I get what you mean though. And uh, as well as being a podcaster, um, he is setting up, helping to set up part of the board of this um, LGBTQ plus. Um, museum that's being set up in New York where the film's mm. set um, and there are lots of jokes and stuff about the kind of the, the histories and the competing histories that, that they're going to tell there's a lot of funny stuff around you know the L's versus the B's versus the G's versus the T's and they all kind of want their part in history and so on mm. and so forth um, and he meets at a, a gay nightclub um, this guy who is very fit very kind of the opposite of Billy Eichner in all those ways mm. um, and they start a, I mean, you see classic kind of, will they, won't they, are they going to get on, how mm. is it going to go relationship. Mm. I actually wasn't mad about I really wanted to like this. I like Billy Eichner. I don't like him that much. I mean, I, I actually, this is, I'm sure I've maybe been exposed to him, but I can't, I can't remember. But um, I, I thought he's not a movie star. He's not an actor. I mean, yeah. I can't. I, I don't think it's possible to pretend that he's good at acting. No. And it really reminds me. A lot of this film really reminded me of a sitcom, um, which no one has seen from, on ITV from about twenty years ago called Shane, which was Frank Skinner. And he wrote it and he started mm. it, and it was an awful, awful sitcom. And what happened in it was kind of situations would happen in which Frank Skinner would just do like a ream of dialogue, monologue, which was just essentially his stand-up. Mm. Like, it wasn't acting, right? There was a, long, a lot like this in here. There was a long shot in the film, which was all Billy Eichner telling jokes, right? Yeah. You know, and some of them were funny. I mean, you know, he's a funny guy, but he's not that funny. Like, he's not Woody Allen or anybody like that, right? Like, mm. you know, so... But he's funny enough, and he's smart. 
But actually, you think, this is taking up, like, five minutes, right? Like, you know, five minutes without, like, a visual gag yeah. or, you know, kind of a joke from the editing or, you know, like, there's a million thing, ways you can make a film funny. And this was literally a tracking shot of him just, you know, telling, like, telling stuff about his life that was meant to be funny. Yeah. Right? And a lot of the time, it's not even a tracking shot. A lot of the time, it's just a static shot. He's supposed to be having a conversation with someone, and his character will go into a kind of neurotic, angry, self-righteous mm. kind of rant mm. about you know the way gay people are, or the way that society expects us to be, or whatever it might be. Mm. It take a very long time. And not only was it not funny enough, I thought it committed like your cardinal sin, what you considered to be a cardinal sin, which is that it was preachy. And, yes. it, it, and it, it said, we so know smug. everything, we yeah. know the answers, and so on and so forth. I felt that, um, you know, I, I thought all of this stuff of, like, teaching people about gay history, right, and kind of, well, it's almost like, how dare you not know, and it kind of, it was so the opposite of being inclusive, you know, and taking people's differences and maybe, like, yeah, kind of leading them into something. It felt like you were really being yeah. pummeled into a very particular view of, I think, of what being gay is, of what gay culture is, of what, you know, gay history is, as if that's the only truth available to anybody, right? And actually, I thought that the film reproduced that with that whole Abraham Lincoln thing, right? <laughs> like, you know, that obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so, so the, the, the conceit is that in the museum, uh, Billy Eichner's character wants there to be uh, an Abe Lincoln exhibit, which is about how Abe Lincoln was gay or bi. Yes. Um, and there's always questions about, well, was there the evidence for it and so on, but he's quite insistent that he wants it. Yes. Um, so so I thought that the film reproduced that in, in kind of patting itself on the back for having all the answers, you know, for including all of these uh, different ways of being, like, you know, trans people and cisgender people and people, you know, Asian peoples and, you know, black peoples and... You know, it kind of, it was almost like you're ticking all these boxes. I thought they were all very poorly cast, actually. Mm. You know, and I thought, I wondered, you know, am I just being a self-hating queer, really? Like, you know, because, <laughs> like, a lot of those things kind of bothered me. I thought they were off. I thought they were badly cast. Yeah. Yeah, I thought kind of, I mean, maybe it's a New York thing. I don't know. But certainly kind of people that I, that I know are not all gay in the same way. Right, which kind of mm. this really seemed to. Um... Well, well, I'm not sure it does. I mean, the, part of the the central thing about the relationship is that Billy Eichner is gay in this one way, and Aaron, uh, the, uh, Luke um, Luke McFarlane plays him, um, is gay in a different way. I know, but that's a binary that's easy to do. So you have like the sporty jock, you know, and then you have like the femi nervy one, yeah. But actually, all of the people around the Billy Eichner character are even more kind of, I don't exaggerated know, exaggerated and flamboyant and caricatured and so on than Billy Eichner. I mean, Billy Eichner is, you know, the, the, the quietest version of all of that surrounds him. Yeah. And then you have, you know, the, the binary opposite of the muscle jock and so on right, mm. that come together. So I thought all of those bits of casting were, you know, to me, off. In representational terms, it's not that sophisticated, but it, it's definitely kind of got its heart in the right place. And it is doing, even if it comes down to ultimately centralising Billy Eichner's character and his kind of form of being gay, if you like, mm. um, it does kind of, it does try to show how different people are different if you like you know even even in just the thinnest terms like the guy he meets at the gym for instance 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of think I don't even want to talk about it on representational terms because that's okay. I, you know, <laughs> that's not where my problem is. And actually, a lot of the ver- verbal jokes landed on me. Yeah. Right. And there were situations, you know, that I kind of recognized in a way. Right. And I thought it was really good that, you know, all of these different ways of having a relationship or at least touched upon the, you know, the heteronormative one with children on the horizon is what ultimately gets chosen, which, you know, is in itself a problem. But anyway, that's not what I have a problem with. The central thing I have a problem with is that it's a really bad comedy. It illustrates all of the problems that we've often talked about, you know, with American comedy, which is that it's all verbal, right? Like, you know, there's not a single visual joke in the whole film, right? So this is a romantic comedy. I thought all the romantic moments flopped, yeah, and all of the, you know, the comedy moments were all one note. It was just on the verbal front. That's it, you know. So when I hear that Billy Eichner is saying that, you know, the film has been let down, that audiences have been responded, he's blaming homophobia, he's saying also gay people haven't responded, my answer is the film isn't good enough. The film isn't good enough, that's for yeah. sure. I would uh, disagree with you that it is all verbal. And actually the better examples of the comedy in the film are where it's not. For the okay, moment, so what, what's not verbal? So, for example, um, when they meet the Josh character, who is the, the hockey player who's come out at the age of 40, mm. that Aaron went to school with, um, and they go into a, um, uh, an orgy with him, a threesome with him, but there's a fourth guy there who's just invites himself along, who we have no idea who he is, this little fella. Yes. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a visual joke when the three of them are kissing and he just shows up. Um, it is a visual joke. That's not verbal. Well, mm, it is, and it's hilarious. Mm, yeah, I mean, you, you know, go, mm, I, it's I, visual. Well, I mean, no. Well, first of all, it's not just visual; it's situational, right? Right. That you have, you know, a really ugly guy in the middle of all of this intervening on it. That's a situ- that's a situation comedy joke. Yeah. Well, it's right? not verbal. rendered sexual. You said everything was verbal. That's not the situation. It still isn't verbal. But okay, it's also visual so, the way he shows up and they're looking at, you know, Billy Arkin looking over his shoulder at him. It's a visual setup. Well, so. the visual thing is actually the least pleasant thing of that because actually you're just making ugly jokes there, right? Well, that's not the visual aspect I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking I, about the way I, he I thought that, that's what was funny. You know, <laughs> that is, that, well, yes, you know, the teeth and so on. You, you know, I'm you sure. put, a, you know, an ugly, geeky guy in the middle of like these three kind of, you know, really fit people, and that's a joke, right? And then the guy trying to get into it. It's situation comedy humor, so okay. You know, if by verbal you're meaning, you you know, you're just saying joke, yeah, words, then it's expanded. You know, there are obviously kind of, you know, situations that are made funny, but there's not a single... Yes, there uh, is. What? Well, for instance, when they're in the um, restaurant with uh, Aaron's family, um, you laughed every time it cut abruptly to the singer coming in and that's that's an editing that's editing that made that funny it's also the singing and it the is song. also the singing and it's yeah. also the situation but editing it's, is played a part that's my, my, my god if you want to make those exceptions that is like the most fundamental elements in the film I'm just saying you know, the film is film, doing a bit of that well it's doing so, so such a little bit of that that is kind of to me not worth even commenting so you know uh, let me temper yeah it doesn't know how to make jokes out of elements that are filmic really you know, so the the audiovisual humor in it, the visual humor in it, is minimal and kind of basic and banal. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we can <laughs> agree on that. <laughs> I had a problem with the editing in that it was actually kind of shoddy. 
it's kind of too quick at points. So it, it feels like they've been cutting down scenes with like a hacksaw just to like make them fit into time almost. Mm. Uh, it really struck me when they go and meet the the guy they're hoping will uh, they'll get money out of to pay for the museum. There's one cut in particular that struck me, although there are a lot al- along these lines. It's a cut that, because it, they've just done it for speed and for time, has created a continuity error where um, he stood up, Aaron and Bobby, Billy Eichner's character, have sat down, and they're looking up at him, mm. and they ask him a question. They say, what do you want in, in the museum, they say. And then you cut to, he's already sat down, and he's halfway through explaining what he would like to see. And it's because they've cut out the bit where he would say, here's what I want to see, and then he sits down. Mm. Like, it creates this eyeline mismatch. Mm. There are things like that that happen a lot, where it's just been, it, they've been, they've been selecting, you know, the, the best take from, you know, 20 of maybe, and, they, and so things aren't matched here, there, and everywhere. Or they've been cutting out frames that would make things make more sense mm. it's actually it's i thought found it really shoddy the editing um, uh, i think everything about the film is shoddy the romance as you say doesn't work and, and i think part of the reason for that it's funny how the film takes the piss out of hallmark and yet it hits every cliche it can but, and also the worst thing is that hallmark works yeah that, that's right you know? hallmark does it better yeah so what i was going to say like hallmark would actually build up to the romantic moment it wouldn't just jump into the cliche it would build up the cliche in the cliched way yeah you know this I just mean, jumps into the highlight hallmark films kind of work because the phoniness is obvious yeah <laughs> and the manufactured situation is obvious but there is something about the longing right <laughs> You know, that is true, yeah, and that is shared, right, and that audiences buy into. I think, uh, you know, this film handled a romantic moment. Well, you know, it's meant to be a romantic comedy, right? So the romance is crucial, right? And, you know, the, the whole thing about, you know, what attracts them to each other, I think, is not very well um, dramatized, mm-hmm. right? I think, you know, the moments of breakup are not well dramatized. The moments of failed reunification where you, you know, you have the Brooklyn Bridge and so on. I mean, you know, it could be visualized into such a wonderful moment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a nothing. It's almost like a, 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 a TV sitcom kind of, yeah. you know, moment, really. It, it does nothing, right? And the, the sexual bits, which are played for comedy, and that's fine. I laughed, right? But there should be moments there which are genuinely sexy or affectionate or, yeah, yeah. or comedy. And, and they're not there. You know, so so the film doesn't know how to develop those. It no, and it doesn't even seem. It, well, no, maybe it seems interested, but it's definitely not competent. What I did like, and I thought this was actually really great, are the sex scenes. I think you just don't see these, especially in a film like this that's meant to be, even though it may have flopped and whatnot. That's meant to be for you know, the Judd Apatow audience. Sure, right. Um, um, and I, and I, big big Hollywood. I well, I like those as well. I mean, they were funny. You know, um, but I also would have liked one which wasn't funny. Yeah, which was about them really turning on to each other and so on. And I didn't see that. I actually thought more of them should have been funny. I mean, I think that there there was... Well, I thought they were all funny. No, I... I mean, all the ones that we saw that actually involved sex really were played for laughs. I don't think so, actually. Which which one? Well, I can't think, like, specifically... Maybe it's the one where they're... um, when they go up to was it Pro- Providence Town, the place they go for Providence Town, yeah. Providence Town. Um, there was one, I think, brief one there where it is just a love magazine. It's very short, like so. The one, for instance, where they where they um, 
uh, where they fight in in Central Park, and then they go back and they're fighting. That's a comedy sex scene, right? Yeah. But this one was actually it was it was it was just love, right? And it, but like I say, it was short, and maybe you don't like notice it so much. But I thought, oh, that's right. It's where he, um, it's where Aaron asks Bobby to be the top because he's not normal. Okay, but to me, that's not, not a sex scene. Well, well, it, beca- it became. I mean, it, but it, that's what I said. It, it, it cuts and it's short. And I thought then, like, it could be a funny scene because you could have the joke about how he's not very good at this or whatever. He doesn't do it and so on and so forth. Like, it could have become a funny scene. Actually, it's just cut. Yeah, I mean, right? I kind of, I kind of like that. But I thought it was all well. What I remember of it, anyway, is all close-ups and dialogue. I, I don't remember a sex scene. I think there was a kiss, but again, you know, it was a close-up thing. I don't, re- you know, I mean, to me, a sex scene. Is also something that's meant to turn you on to the situation. I want to see like lovemaking. Well, there the wasn't in or, that the, scene. or the intimations of lovemaking. That to me is a sex scene. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, there wasn't uh, in that scene, unfortunately. Yeah, so that's why. Yeah, there was actually more in the scene where they're fighting because you, you'd see Aaron on top thrusting into Bobby, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't expect this in a job." That's what I mean, like, because you think oh, I might see something like this between a man and a woman in a comedy like this, mm. you know. Even then, I, st- I think it still might not be, might not have the kind of tone that it does here. Yeah. Um, but I thought, I thought like that's actually, it's almost. It's- well, you see, I have mixed feelings about that actually because I think I liked it. It's funny, but I also think it's contrary to a romantic comedy. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, true. like, uh, you know, in, in a romantic comedy, you want to have the sense of that it's a romance that they're getting together, that they have things in common, that they're turned on by each other, right? And, you know, this is a bit of... What's that uh, series of films, Goldfinger? James Bond. Yeah, but the comedy about... Uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. This is like Austin Powers moments in what's meant to be Harry Met Sally or... Yeah. You know, or... or, And I, I think, you know, I kind of... I thought they were funny, but actually I thought they were off. And besides that, you know... If I think about it, it's kind of upsetting to watch that. It's almost like you don't trust the audience, yeah, to uh, be involved with, like, two people, yeah, kind of being turned on by each other. That You know, you don't trust them to, to go with you in a gay setting. So you have to turn it all into kind of a series of quite aggressive jokes, actually. Mm. You know, so I didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, I think uh, if you look at a lot of Almodovar films, you see different. He brings you into that. Yeah, He kind mm. of, you know, makes, makes the desire palpable yeah, in a way that it never is in this film. No. Uh, so I, 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 I have mixed feelings because I kind of liked its politics. I th- a lot of the verbal jokes I really responded to, you know, even though they were not the best. Yeah. And yet... There's something kind of you know deeply unsatisfying about this film. It it did something that I am surprised it was it did, which was that it actually made Billy Eichner unlikable to me. As, as I say, he's someone who I just like, mm. um, and, I, I like and his it. series Billy on the Street I really like. Um, and you see, it starts off with him doing this. Po- I mean, it's funny how the podcast just never comes back into the film. It's supposed to be a podcast that the people mm-hmm. know. It's like, does it show up? Does it well, he gets pop? a museum job after that, so that's the reason. But he's still doing his podcast, surely. You know? um, no reason he can't do both. I suppose, though, that was not my impression. My impression is that <laughs> he, he got the this big museum and, uh, job. You know? Oh, that wasn't uh, my impression. Um, because he's, cause he, talk- he still talks about it, you know, on my show and so on. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, people ask him for his autograph as well. Yeah. 
It makes him unlikable in that all those points, and they're particularly early on in the film, where he will go into the long rant mm. about whatever thing it is, it it takes over a scene, and the character is unlikable in doing it. You kind of you actually. There's one point where where he's chatting to Aaron, and he's I say chatting, you know, ranting at Aaron. There's there are shots of Aaron reaction shots of him kind of like raising his eyebrows going like whoa this is a bit much you know like you're going on a bit and you're thinking why well, are you putting that in a film about you know what I mean it, it's like the film pointing out that he is going on and it's quite annoying it's so interesting because if you look at classic romantic comedies like My Best Friend's Wedding those faults in people yeah in the the, the, the person desired or the person one loves with they're made to seem endearing so mm. you know and you can imagine how you could show someone running off at the mouth being super intelligent insulting people without meaning to how you can make that really endearing yeah. yeah and you could see how the person loves him for it yeah even though they might be embarrassed in front of their family but the film doesn't no. try any of that right or it could be something that is a character flaw to be overcome, or you know, or reveal something about his neuroses that is to be something like that. But it has to be rendered attractive because if you don't render the protagonist of a romantic comedy attractive, you yeah. have no movie. Yeah, you have to like them both, and you have to want them to come together, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and the thing about Billy Eichner, you know, this like my friends are going to hate me, but I also thought, you know, he is to me, he was charming or he was likable. Mm. But in a kind of a TV way, mm. yeah, that he didn't hold your attention in close-up on a big screen. Yeah, he's mm. not charming enough. He's not a film star. He's not enough of a good actor, really. So, you know, you want him at a distance. You want to be <laughs> charmed by him from, yeah, far away in a talking head, yeah. right? And rely mainly on what he says to be charmed by rather than looking at his face. Yeah. He just doesn't register for the camera. And neither does the other guy, you know, though. Luke McFarlane. Yeah, so I think he is very attractive. And he's kind of, you know, he's kind of cute and so on. But really, he also doesn't hold your attention, really. I mean, mm. you know, kind of if you're thinking of what people like Hugh Grant or Julia Roberts or people like that bring to the genre, right? That mm. is like essential. You, these people have to be like appealing, right? And likable and kind of, you know, uh, uh, you want to be able to root for them to find love. Hmm. Right. And, you know, this is just like a smart guy and a cute guy. Like, yeah. you know, and they don't offer more than that, I don't think. You know. The worst part of the film for me, and I think it's indicative of one of the film's big problems, which is that self righteous preachiness, hmm. is the thing about uh, Aaron's mum being a school teacher at second grade yes. and Bobby um, not being able to help himself from saying, you know, you really should teach your kids about gay history, about gay people, like it's, it's when you should get them and, and when you should be able to teach them that you know, being gay is okay and being gay people are everywhere and it'll stop them bullying later in life and so on. And then the end of the film has him um, showing her the uh, museum and she's brought the kids yeah. and he says, you know, thank you for bringing them, it means so much to me that you brought them and so on. And she says, oh God, it's, it's super breachy and you went, ugh. Yes. Um, she says... You know, it's the right thing, something like that. She says, um, it's their history too, right? And the thing that, the thing that's so annoying is, it's like, it's not wrong, right? Like, you should, people should learn about this stuff. But the joke that's, that could be made 
is about the self-righteousness of mm. the position, is about the unreasonableness of listening to someone else who doesn't share your position or maybe will take a second well, to come who around. doesn't understand your life? For all you know, this second-year uh, teacher, her school board is all full of Trump supporters <laughs> and actually just maybe getting them to read like a normal book is a huge struggle, right? <laughs> so at least kind of, you know, present something about that rather than just making her seem, you know, an inferior, yeah, person. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I didn't like that. I thought it was unsympathetic to the real struggles that people have sometimes to do something good. Right. Like you want coalitions. You want people working together for change. You don't want to like turn them off or hold them at arm's distance because they're not as politically righteous as you are. Yeah. So the film doesn't give that any depth. It doesn't give it doesn't make a joke of it the way I think it could. It could puncture, like I say, mm. the self-importance of the position. Because um, that's like that's such a refrain, kind of a, mm. about the left, mm. about kind of liberals, is that you know they they're in, they're so insistent on tolerance, like that's the kind of paradox of it, right? Yeah. It doesn't do that. It just actually ends up backing it all up and says he was completely right to be this way, and she has improved as a person because of it. <laughs> I I thought that was very unreasonable as well, because you know, as a gay man, kind of you're constantly adjusting yourself to people, right? And of course, you could say, well, why should I? Right, and the answer is because you live in the fucking world. Because if you don't do those kinds of things, you'll be killed on a daily basis. Right, it is just part of the thing that you do. Mm. So actually, to me, why he couldn't be more charming and sympathetic to his boyfriend's parents, I just don't get. You, if you would automatically try to do that, yeah, yeah. Or like, like I say, it might be one of those character flaws that is addressed, adjusted, yes. whatever it might be. Exactly. And of course, it never is. Yeah, I. I it I, turns out to be completely justified and correct. So yeah, I kind of I hate it. I I did I do hate that kind of smug self righteousness. I mean, you want art a to connect, you know, with you, but also kind of be, you know to connect because it's exploratory and it's contradictory, mm. you know, and kind of yeah, like you know all of those uncertainties and bringing them to light and being able to connect through them, I think is one of the things that art does. And if you feel you've got all the answers, then actually you've got nothing to offer me, really. And the other worst part of the film for me uh, was the song. Um, Because this is supposed to be the opening of a museum, and all of a sudden he's bringing out a piano and a guitar and a stool to sing a romantic song that he's written to his boyfriend, who no one knows. I'm thinking... This is supposed to be a gallery opening. What are you doing? Oh, really? I didn't, that didn't bother me. I mean, it's a romantic comedy. You give them license to do things. Like I didn't. That. I didn't give them license for that because they didn't <laughs> even try to explain it. It's funny again. Think about the Hallmark thing. It seemed to me at that point that the film had been referencing Hallmark so much and making mm. a joke of the kind of films that they might make in a. Kind it of... sees itself as superior to it, and actually, well, the joke is that it's not. I, I kind of thought, is it, is it, is it parodying or or. Is it parodying Hallmark here? Is it doing Hallmark? Is it, but it is trying to sell it as a serious thing that it's doing. I kind of can work it out. Like it's, it, it's definitely positioning itself as superior to Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah, Hallmark is the kind of the trashy thing that the characters have a weakness for or a fondness. Fondness as weakness, actually, I think. Yeah, because the, the Billy Eichner character says, oh, yeah, you know, I, I like them or I have room for them. I forget what he yeah. says. Um but I think the irony is that it does it much better. Those Hallmark films are glossier, they're, they're better lit, they have more attractive people, even though they're sometimes quite blank as well. And, you know, they get you to at least feel for, what, for the, those characters, which I, 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 mm. I wasn't moved. I think they're kind of more self-knowing, like, about what they are. This, I didn't find... I've never found anything in a Hallmark movie 
as embarrassing as I found that song scene because it, it felt so confusing and so out of place and so unjustified. You know what yeah, I mean? It's I like kind of... trying, trying to jump at this romantic ending that has has not justified in any way. I, I, I don't know. What I found embarrassing were all those moments like, um, what's his name? The Broadway star... You know, when they go to, to Provincetown and he's the landlord. Oh, um, Harvey Farstein. Yeah, Harvey Farstein, you know, giving you a little lesson on AIDS, you know, and how many people they lost. And, you know, <laughs> that kind of, like, history lesson moments throughout the film, you know, because, I mean, and I feel really like, again, maybe I'm myself hating gay or whatever, because it's good to see those things. But, God, they really feel preachy in this film. Yeah, and they really drag the thing down. So I think they're really badly handled. Um, so I don't think you have to I feel went, bad about being a self-hating gay because, because as you've said, gay people come in all shapes and sizes and maybe just hate those ones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it's, it's the same thing for uh-huh. me about being a self-hating Jew uh-huh. is like I don't hate myself for being a Jew, but there are some times when like Jewish people will do something or act in a certain way, and you go, "Oh, stop it! You're embarrassing yeah. the rest of us." Um. <laughs> I think it's like that. You know, it's funny how um, with Harvey Feierstein, his like his first line. Of I love him, by the way, and I, I love his him. voice and everything. I just hated the way that that <laughs> character was drawn. You know, you know, you know it's his first. I oh, know I wanted more from him. Like that's it. He comes in, I'm like, ooh, yeah, and then nothing. A really bit of life, yeah. And now you get a fucking history lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you notice how his first, pretty much his first line of dialogue is saying his name. He says, "I'm Louis" or whatever it yeah. is, and it's and it's because. Because they've had Deborah Messing in the film as herself, yes. like the film has to immediately say, "No, he's not playing himself. God. He's playing some guy." Wasn't that him. a horrible moment with Deborah Messing? Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, she wasn't. Uh, you'd think at least she'll be funny, or she was terrible. Yeah, she was. Ter- how, you know, how could you be terrible at playing yourself? <laughs> yeah. She was terrible in Billy on the Street as well. I think I'm just glad I didn't never watch Will and Grace. To be honest, I did. Uh, and you know, I don't have all all the problems that people have with it. I liked it, yeah. um, but Jesus, <laughs> you know, that was such a terrible moment. Uh, I mean, the thing is, it's funny because um, you know, obviously, I really I needed to see it. It is, I can't think of another gay romantic comedy that had a mainstream release, right? It mm. is an important thing, and it's a saddening thing to see that it failed. Right, but there were a lot of things that I recognized in it. Yeah, it kind mm. of. I didn't think the film was uh, untrue, or you know, I just thought that it wasn't good enough. I mean, you know, I was talking to a friend about Lubitsch, right? Like, you know, he's he's another Lubitsch fan. And my God, you know, when you think of like what Lubitsch can could do with a wipe, or you know, or a cut, or you know, a point of view on a situation. I mean, it's just kind of magical the way that he could get laughs. And then, and here you think, who is that guy who did that video essay about uh, the British director who did an essay about why comedy is so bad? Um, Tony Joe did a comedy. No, uh, that's, that's not what I'm thinking of. Is uh, my God, he did that film in Soho that set in Soho recently. Oh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright did a com. Uh, 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 no, Tony Joe did a every frame of painting video about Edgar Wright compared to American comedy. Ah, okay, that's maybe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and you know this this is a, a, a absolute illustration for me mm. of all of that, right? And you know, I do think instead of berating audiences for being homophobic and not turning up to your film or for gay audiences to, for not turning up you know in enough numbers, 
you be a bit modest and, and take responsibility and think, here I had a once in a lifetime opportunity yeah, to make a contribution and I fucked it up because, you know, I didn't pay enough attention as to how it should be filmed. I definitely got that so feeling. So fuck you, Billy Eichner. <laughs> I definitely got that feeling, particularly early on when he's going through his various monologues. Um, it, did, it did have that feeling of, I'm only going to get this one chance to make this film in Hollywood for, for mm. a big audience, hopefully. Mm. So I will put everything in it. Like every every um, kind of complaint or every observation or every, every minority mm. that I can will go into this. And it felt very stuffed as well. It actually felt kind of exhausting in that respect. Well, it's such a motor mouth. And the whole film is like blah, 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 him, you know. And then like um, the a burden of feeling... Yeah, is given to the boyfriend, mm. yeah, who wasn't charismatic enough for me. Mm. You know, it's like he had all the externals, yeah, so he built and muscly and so on. But actually, you know, uh, uh, and he wasn't bad, but he was just very flat on screen. Mm. So, um, you know, kind of, it's a it's a relatively decent budget film. It's a twenty million dollar film for this, I think. Yeah. So you know, make it better. Yeah. It's not good enough. Not good enough. <laughs> All right. So, on that note, it's not good enough. We wanted to like this more than we did. Thank you for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, at Eavesdrop Movies. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>